said. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Two Nerds, Maybe More. This is episode four, and we are recording on March 8th, 2020, which is a Sunday. Not the normal day that we're recording, but the reason why is because Marty is not here this week. He decided to go on a little bit of a vacation. So he is not here, but we have somebody else, somebody that is a awesome friend and also a fellow podcaster. And I would like to introduce Mr. Frasley. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing awesome. We just got done raiding with Sai, so that was a lot of fun. And you you were a healer, right? Um, I was acting as one, yes. Okay, so at least you helped me not die too many times. So I, I appreciated that. Um, that's kind of what I'm here for, um, helping out. So Frasley and I just got done doing an LFR raid with a couple friends, just testing out some stuff, practicing healing, Frasley practicing not dying. Um, <laughs> some of it went more successful than others, but just in case you forgot, this is a video game theme podcast, but sometimes we do talk about more. And as is tradition here, we're going to start off with talking about what we've been watching on Netflix because, yeah. yes, because video games are amazing and all that, but we like to watch things as well. And I'm going to start off with you, Frasley, because I see that you have something over here. Um, what have you been watching? So I have been watching Better Call Saul because season five started on TV and because I don't really like the fact that when you start watching something on on the TV services that it, it expires and then they want you to buy their insider service. I wait for things to go to Netflix. So mm -hmm. I just got season four of Better Call Saul where you're following Saul Goodman and his, his rise to the lawyer that we know from Breaking Bad. And I got to tell you, Bob Odenkirk is an amazing actor. I mean, just like his level, like you feel like he's, you can really understand Jim McGill and it's a, it's a great character. And you're probably wondering who's Jim McGill. Well, then you better start watching because season one to four are now on Netflix. And I, I, I love it. I love the world that they've created in this. It's realistic, has a little bit of humor, but you can really see and you're, you're rooting for, for this character, but at the same time, you're also repulsed by his behavior. Because, I mean, Saul Goodman was a character that we loved and we hated, and it's cool to see his development here. Um, I never watched it, but since it's on Netflix, I might have to give it a try because I was a big fan of Breaking Bad. It, so it would be interesting to see the growth of his character. I also need to watch the the um, the El Camino movie. Not El Camino? Uh, El Camino is the uh, Breaking Bad movie that, that that came out. Oh, okay, okay. For some reason, I was thinking of the uh, the Clint Eastwood movie. I was thinking that that as I said El Camino, someone's gonna think of my Gran Torino. There, there you uh, go, it's Torino. <laughs> um, all right, and I have actually started rewatching because I watched the first season before, but I'd never watched the second season. But I needed a refresher, so I started watching Castlevania again on Netflix, which is an animated series, and it has been great as usual because season three i think recently came out and i haven't had a chance to check it out yet so i'm catching up on everything watching some castlevania interested to understand uh everything that's going on but also i'm interested to see if this is what the style will be for the overwatch uh animated series or the diablo animated series so it's pretty interesting going there and especially with diablo seeing kind of the connections that they may make with both of them and I hope Castlevania has, has good music because, I mean, Symphony of the Night. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, they it does, obviously. Uh, it's known for its music historically all the way back to its NES days. Um, and I did not – I got the pun. I got and, it. it. It did not go above my head. Now, on a serious note, have you also played Bloodstained? Uh, yes, um, but not the – what is it like the 16 bit version? I played the eight bit version. Okay. Uh, the one that came out before the bigger game was supposed to come out. That's right. I have not played either of them. I, I, I backed it on Kickstarter, but I, it came out. I've got copies on steam. I, I need to download and, and play it. Cause I, I went to a, a phase where I was kickstarting everything. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to kickstart that. I want to kickstart that. I've got names of like old al aliases that I use online mm -hmm. in the, in the credits for it. It's like, who's that? <laughs> Um, yeah, so they're both great games. I've played a little bit of the second one. Uh, I played the first one. I've beat it like three times. 
because there's like different endings and things like that. So I thought it would be interesting to check them all out. So yeah. I did it over like a weekend or two. It was pretty short as long as you're pretty decent at like those old school 8-bit platform style games, which I really like. Some people it's not so much. So you get what you get. Um, otherwise, still on the gaming front. Now, this is something that I don't really delve into. Uh, but I know that you've been playing quite a bit of this. So what have you been playing? I think you've been playing on stream too. Yes, I've been streaming with Spaz. We've been doing Farming Simulator. So I've picked up Farming Simulator years ago on PS3. And I, I enjoyed it. Never never delved enough into it. So Spaz and I were like, you know what? It's co-op. Let's do it. Let's see what, we, what shenanigans we get into. And we've enjoyed things like Satisfactory where you're building things. It's kind of fun to do those on stream with somebody else. It's not like the most engaging content. You're just going, you're harvesting, but it allows you time to talk with the audience. Or like uh, last night, it allows you to try things like trying to to beat a train out over a, a crossing with crops and end up falling into a puddle. There's a Twitch clip of me doing that. <laughs> or not, I mean, not even a puddle. I fell, I fell out of a waterfall. I've kind of, I never really got into the simulation type games um the closest things i get to it i guess would be certain racing games like i used to play quite a bit of like gran turismo um which is still not ultra sim style but i still like gran turismo yeah Um, and then i've played a bit of the sims but i think (laughs) that's not really a simulation Uh, are you one of those who likes to lock your sim in the swimming pool and take away the ladder and not have him die um no mainly because i Barely knew that you could do things like that until my fiance Selena told me about it because <laughs> she had all the tips and tricks on, oh, if you put them in a room and take away the door, then the room might catch on fire if there's a candle in there and they can't get out. And I'm just like, what in the world is this game and why are you telling me to do these things? You gotta watch out for Selena there. I, I-, I can see later on me like, hey, I'm Michael, always on edge. Go into this room. Oh, hi, Michael. <laughs> I'm always on edge, especially since she goes to sleep before uh, after me. So you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, so how have you, have you been enjoying the game at least? Oh, really? I, I'm I'm loving it. I'm liking that it's it's one of those games where the graphics aren't perfect and they're, they're glitchy, and it's, it's it's almost it's lovable in that way. You, you can mm. tell that it's polished enough to get it out every year because believe it or not, it's a yearly release. And I'm thinking I'm, I want to see what like Farming Simulator 20 is. Mm-hmm. And I, I need to look into this. I have heard from Spaz that there are farming simulator tournaments. That you can actually win big money. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, hey, we got our 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 crop of wheat in before you did. Oh, and we almost would have won that if you had harvested too soon. But our crops withered and we lost all that all that money in that tournament. Well, it seems like it could almost be like the truckers that actually like real life truckers where their competition is to get as quickly as they can from one point to another and deliver as many shipments because the more shipments you get, the more money you make and the faster you do those deliveries, the more shipments you make, which in turn is more money that you make. So I'm betting there's the, cause I know that there's Euro truck simulator. I'm betting that's a, a Euro truck simulator tournament. I'm sure there's stuff for everybody out there. Um, Frasley, try not to destroy anything throughout the the uh, podcasting. Frasley smacking his mic around over there. It's a common occurrence uh, on on Twitch. I will I'll get too excited. I mean, because I I stand up when I record and I'm just like bouncing up and r- around and having a good time. <laughs> um. All right. So Farming Simulator 2019 version, and on the other end, I've actually been playing a demo. I finished it. It's like an hour long. But I played the demo for the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, that's the one that they're releasing in chapters. Yes. So it's going to be episodic with uh, parentheses right there. Or not parentheses, uh, quotations. You know, like we don't know exactly how many episodes. Yeah. Um, But for somebody like me that played the original, it is so amazing to see the difference that they have made yet while still capturing the essence of what the original was. Uh, Everything is like fully voice acted. The environments are so much larger and detailed. The combat is a mix of an active turn-based combat while being able to swap like action uh, style where you actually input the button mashes and things like that. 
think of it kind of like a mix of Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy 15 combat style. Nice. Maybe not as fast as Kingdom Hearts. Okay. And not as slow as Final Fantasy 15, but it feels amazing. I I loved every bit of it. Um I I'm looking forward to picking this up, especially on the PC. I I've moved away from PlayStation's. Not because mm-hmm. the PlayStation's bad. I think PlayStation's great. I just have moved into a PC and Xbox world for for me because mm-hmm. I like having everything all tied together. But I'm looking forward to it. I was going to download this until I found it was PS4 only. It's like my PS4. It, it, I I have one, and I mean I need to play for Spider Man. And Michael's like, honestly, <laughs> just an HDMI cable. I'm like, I know, but then I have to unplug something else. I, I, I unplug when I'm watching Better Call Saul on because I'm wa- I'm watching Better Call Saul on Apple TV through my Xbox One. I, I know that mm-hmm. sounds crazy, but then I can use my AirPods. Okay, um, yeah, I definitely suggest that people that are interested, maybe you were on the fence of the game because you didn't know, check it out. It's so much fun. I've, it looks good. I'm probably gonna go through it again, uh, just because I want to take some time and take a look around. It's not that long. Uh, it'll probably with. The PlayStation infrastructure in terms of downloading things through Wi-Fi is extremely slow. Yes. Um, so you might even take longer downloading it than you will playing it. That is one thing about that is one reason that I move away from PlayStation. I'm I'm, I'm not being a fanboy, uh, but that's one that's one thing that always frustrated me. It's like PlayStation, you've got the PS now, and you you still cannot fix the download infrastructure for <laughs> all this stuff. Come on. Yeah, it's been a bit frustrating over the years, but there are certain games that I think both Selena and myself are very uh, purist about, which is like on her front for Resident Evil, she can't or not necessarily she can't, but she prefers to play it with the PlayStation controller because that's how it feels. It feels better with the PlayStation controller because that's the way that she started playing it. And I play Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy games on PlayStation first because that's what I grew up playing them on before. Well, after the Nintendo era, of course. Um, But that was a different subset of things. So Final Fantasy VII, I'm getting on PS4 because it's just, it's a PlayStation game. Like, (laughs) that's how I see it. It's a game for everybody, for everything. But the way that it's still connected to me is that what is it that three or four disc box that it came in on the original PlayStation one. I'm still somebody, I think games should be on every platform. I, I am fed up with exclusives on, on things. I think play the console that you love. If you love Sony, play Sony. If you love Xbox, play Xbox. If you love switch, play switch. If you love PC. I think that we should be at the place where games are just on any platform that, that, that you want, that you should not be divided by what you have. Cause I mean, I want to play last of us too. It looks so good. And I mean, I, I, I know I could buy plugging in my my ps4 but i'm out of it i'm not i don't want to do it i want to be on my xbox or my pc so i guess that's where we kind of differ a bit because i do feel like there is still a place for exclusives especially for a company like sony and microsoft if you are a company and you are trying to get people to choose your platform what's to stop them let's say switch xbox playstation all create their systems let's say minor graphical improvements based on each system the consumer if they don't care so much about graphics is always going to go towards their cheapest option so sony what's to stop them from like people are going to go to that rather than their platform so even though they may make the game and then it goes to the other platform they're still not necessarily making the money that they would make on the console which in turn will diminish the console market completely because companies already take a loss on making the console and they rely all very heavily on their exclusive games created by in-game studios that are Sony studio. Like, so the Spider-Man game created by Sony, uh, last of us created by Sony bloodborne, uh, not created by Sony, but it was, a special deal where it couldn't be anywhere else. So while I am for certain games being able to play it on everything, like like your Call of Duties and your multiplayer games like that, um, I do still support like Mario only being on Switch. It's always funny when people say, oh, you could play everything on anything. That's the dream. But then nobody ever says like, 
I can't wait to play Mario on my PC. It's like, no, I want to play Mario on my Nintendo system. Like, it's almost like Nintendo is immune to the whole we need every game on every system conversation. No, I, I would even say Nintendo should be on, on all. I'm, I'm at the place because, I mean, Switch is a great console, but I carry my iPhone and my iPad with me, my, my Mac. I, I get what you're saying, but I, I also think that having to, having to buy every single console, it's, it's a barrier to play some of these games. It, it's, it's to me that there's too much waste. I look at the consoles that I have, that, that, that my sister's family has. I'm just like, there's really a lot of waste here because there's similar. And I think what's, what would be the lock-in, maybe not being able to get people moving between platforms, but like when I moved from Sony to, to, to Xbox, I lost my, my, my trophies. I lost that. So a lot of it's the infrastructure that you lose. I mean, I, mm-hmm. so there's, there is still lock-in. I guess I just, now that I have to buy all the consoles myself, I've had to buy them for years, but now when you, when you have to buy them yourself, you're just like, it's a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's a lot of hassle to go between the three of them. Maybe that's why we need the, the, the those modded consoles where, you, where you, it's like five consoles in one box. Have you ever seen those? Like, like with yeah, the, I've the, seen those. Um, they're mainly for like retro stuff. Like you see a lot, like the, uh, uh, I forget their names, but there's one that has like, four different top loaders and it's like one is a cartridge slot for nes cartridge and then you have a super nes and then the sega genesis and something else yeah uh yeah i've seen those um the problem is sometimes they don't always work exactly correctly and they're running off of roms rather than actual stuff so um obviously there's 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 merit to both sides i feel i simply i guess i'm really old school about it where i'm just like like, hey, I'm used to paying for Nintendo and Nintendo and Sony and Sony and Xbox and Xbox. And I'm OK with that to a certain extent. Um, on a bigger front, I think that games should be cross platform in the sense of being able to play with anybody. The companies are making strives towards that. Yeah. But I do think that it needs to be more of a standard no matter what game it is. If it's multiplayer, then you're able to play it with Xbox, PlayStation, Switch and PC. I, I think maybe part of the reason why I'm feeling this way is there's a really good story in some of these games. Like there's a really good story in, in Spider-Man, a really good story in last of us. Yeah. You know, one of the great things about gaming is that story, at least storytelling has grown so much throughout its inception, uh, which leads us into a little bit of a topic we have, which we're going to actually talk about some storytelling in video games. Some of our earliest memories, uh, maybe perhaps some stories that, impacted us in such a way that was like i can't believe i'm playing a video game right now and i'm feeling these type of emotions because if you are if you are part of an older crowd that is let's say let's say atari you weren't playing story-based games on the atari and even if you were they were very mundane or they were so simplistic just based on the technology NES, probably still the same. You might get little blurbs here and there telling a story like the Final Fantasy. You get the basic outline. And then as you grow into the modern age, you go to Super Nintendo where there are more games starting to tell more expansive stories. And then you go to disc-based projects that are now able to add orchestrated music to back that story and voice acting. And it just has grown into this large thing. So... I would like to start in to say, like, do you do you play games for story content or are you maybe like the sports crowd that only plays games for competition? I know some people love the story in World of Warcraft, while some high end players are like, I have no idea what the story is because I'm just playing it to do hard content with my friends and I could care less about what's going on in the game. I love a a good story in a game. I mean, I'll play some games for like uh, for for the gameplay. It has to be it has to play well. Uh, I mean, because if, if, it, if it's a if it's a great story but horrible gameplay, I'm not having fun. Uh, I, I Enter the Matrix is a game that I played for the story because I enjoyed it because I wanted to see what happened between the the, the two Matrix movies. Mm-hmm. The, the gameplay was it sucked. <laughs> um, when I've thought of this episode and what they put in it, I never thought that Enter the Matrix would and en- would enter the show. 
Um, that's not a game that you hear very much. No, but it was a cool one where you expand in the universe of the Matrix. You got movie scenes made for it, and you were living in that world. I mean, it was a. I loved the idea of it, but it, again, it it failed. Yeah, yeah, it had some issues. Uh, the gameplay was really bad. I I also am one of the ones I love walking simulators. Like I loved Dear Esther. I I, I loved Heavy Rain. In fact, I need to play Heavy Rain again because. Mm-hmm. I I got the bad ending. Oh, now there's no really bad ending. There's just an ending that's like sad, where like yeah. the murderer gets away, and and but I I love the story in that one. And you can say that the gameplay isn't the best because they were trying out new motion graphics, and at times it was kind of awkward doing things. Mm-hmm. But I love the story in it. One of the ones that that comes to mind, and there might be a spoiler for this part of it, but I think it it it, it really attaches to it in The Walking Dead. When the main character that you're walking with, when, when you are Clementine and and he's dying and dead, the, the, the one that's like you, you find Clementine and then you, you bring Clementine to this and that moment where he dies and you're just like, it got, it gets you. I, I, I felt Clementine for the next few episodes. I mean, just like she became me and I really, I cried and that was like, I mean, Telltale games, the, the gameplay sometimes can be really painful but it was such a great story and and that is that's a game that i i, I play for the story i mm-hmm. i'm i'm playing horus right now it's, a, it's an indie game going it's, it's a retro indie game but i'm loving the story there i i think story plays a bigger part sometimes than we think it depends on who you are there, there are people who play well and could care less what the story is just mm-hmm. doesn't play well yeah so story for me Unless I'm playing a game like Rocket League or a sports game, which I do enjoy. Um, I do enjoy sports and I do enjoy like just racing games. And I do think there's a place for games that are just pick up, play, have a good time and don't worry about what's going on. But I did have that moment when I was younger that, okay, I'm a I'm a gamer moment. And that gamer moment was when I played The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo, it was the first game that I ever beat that had a save feature. And I could save my progress, but the story and the way, more importantly, the way that the story was told, because it doesn't have a whole lot of exposition or anything like that. You're not having long, drawn-out dialogue scenes. Um as if you would like on Final Fantasy VI, which is a whole different uh, beast of a game, which also has an amazing story. But I loved the idea of my uncle leaves the house and he, I'm worried, so I leave and I follow out after him into this thunderstorm and I'm going, the castle gates are blocked and I'm trying to figure out where the heck to go. There's a single path that leads towards some bushes and it's like, well, the bushes have a dead end, but why is this bush in the middle that has a different feature around it and experimenting, pushing a button and lifting up the bush to discover like this little well or this hole in the ground. And I fall through and my uncle is there down slain about to give his last breath. And he bestows his sword and shield upon me and tells me my quest And that's the beginning of the hero's journey of a call to action. And that's my call to action. I must save the princess who is in danger from the evil wizard. And from that stems this grand adventure because the evil wizard is now shut into his room. And you must embark on this quest to gather these pendants in order to unlock the secrets of the master sword, which can knock down the barrier and allow you to face the evil wizard. And that itself seemed epic. And then it twists it's on its head and it's like, Oh, the evil wizard has faded away. And it turns out that he is just a s- smaller part of this larger thing. And then opens up the dark world. And it's like, my quest is not over. The princess is still missing and I need to do all this stuff. And I just remember playing that game and just feeling like like this is an adventure i am on this adventure and my hero is growing and i'm learning as long away with the hero and for me games that have 
a little bit of information, but enough here and there are sometimes my favorite type of story-based games, like Bloodborne, a game, or for those may, maybe not have played Bloodborne, your Dark Souls, um, games that the world tells you what's going on, or there's mysteries, and you figure it out not by the game telling you, but by you interacting with a piece of paper on the ground and you see something written that says something along the lines of my mother went missing she had a red brooch upon her please bring it back to me if you find it and that you find it after you defeat like a pig in the sewers uh and it was like they never told you it but it's like oh got eaten by the giant pig in the sewers and then when you bring it back, you can choose to tell the little girl, hey, your mom got eaten by a pig or something like that. Or you just say, there's a safe place over here. Yeah. I What you're describing is, is uh, I, I, I've heard some, like, from some script writers that moment where you plunge the audience into a world that's developed, but the, but the audience has no clue what's going on and they're trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. And that is a, an amazing storytelling technique if it's not overused where it has to give you different information on what's going on and mm-hmm. you, you're learning like I'm playing the outer worlds and I kind of don't know everything that's going on because you wake up and the science is like hey we gotta get you like what's what, what's going on and you're learning as you go along and you're and you're and that game I I love that the RPG styles where you're making choices I like when mm-hmm. even if the storyline may not diverge that much it is nice being able to make one decision I mean mm-hmm. Mass Effect is, is definitely a and I a game that a, a, a one choice can make it an entire thing. Like I, I remember I, I decided I, I killed off one one, a scientist who could have stopped a genocide, and ended up having one civilization mad at me, because I I destroyed the, their parents, mm-hmm. not even realizing it. And and like three games later, they're like, hey, you destroyed our parents. Those games are interesting. They always remind me of the. The Goosebumps books that you would get where you could choose your own adventure. Yes. Except those ones, if you don't know that that choice is coming and you don't save the game beforehand, then you can't flip back to the page and say, I didn't do it. I had my finger on the page. It doesn't count if you had your finger on the page. Well, in, in Outer Worlds, I had one where I I, I decided to, I was so mad at, at, at the, these, uh, at the parents of this one, of this one person that I killed the parents. And, I almost said, okay, I'm going to go with those. Like when, when, I, when I, when, when, when my companion left me, I was like, you know what? I want them back. So I, I, I did revert back because I felt a connection to the, to the, to the person that I was with. And I, I was like, I don't want to lose them. So, I mean, it is nice when you feel connection to that, to that, that, that person and you feel like you're in mm-hmm. their world. And I think, I think at least for you and I story is very important. I, I mean, even and story can help even a game. I don't play a lot of Overwatch because I'm just a bad FPS, but I hear Overwatch is one that people really find the story engrossing. I love the story from what I've seen in the videos and hearing about it. It it helps you understand what why you're doing stuff. It, mm-hmm. you're, you're not just fighting other people. I mean, Rocket League. I still don't even know what the what the story of Rocket League is. Why why am I a car that's that's uh, battling other cars? Is it just for the sake of the ball, or is there like a whole reason for it? Um, I think it's just simply, it's a futuristic sport. That's it. Okay. Don't need anything else other than that. Uh, but I like that you touched on like the overwatch storytelling aspect, because that's a game where when it first came out, it was just multiplayer. So how do you build a story in this multiplayer world when they're obviously, they're just trying to kill each other. Uh, there's taking a point back and forth, but then through other means outside of the game, which is a, hit or miss approach sometimes some yeah. people really like it because it spans multimedia and it weaves one narrative where you have comic books that are telling you about this character and then you have animated shorts that are telling you about connections that these two characters have or you're having a book that's you read and it's telling you about the world and how things came to be and then you have in-game events that are sometimes linking you up at a different point in time within the game world. So you see some of the things that you may have read about. That's also an interesting uh, style to do for storytelling in your game. 
Well, I mean, and, and that is an interesting one. I remember like the people that, that, that love Tracer until the ones that were bigots were like, oh, wait, Tracer's gay? Oh, I can't play a gay character. I mean, it is interesting how the outside media can change what you like mm-hmm. about a character just because who do they love and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really weird that some people get like that, where it's just like, I love this character. And then you find out something about their character. And if that doesn't mesh with your world belief or something along those lines, and all of a sudden you don't like that character. Yeah, and um, I, I can understand some of them were were guys who wanted to hook up with Tracer and be like, oh, well, I guess Tracer wouldn't be into me. <laughs> which is really weird when you think about it. Like, I I'm upset because this fictional game character... I can no longer do anything with or have a possibility with because she is gay. Yeah. Therefore, I can't get with my animated girlfriend. I mean, um, there are people who do, have done that. Have you seen the, the one the people in Japan who marry a character like like like, like the guy married a a a pillow because it was his character and, and he legally? Yeah, I I, I think we're telling, but. That is a connection to the character, and 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 that is them understanding the story, and, and and I don't think it's more. I think it's more than just being attractive or sexy. I think it's that the, they feel what the characters, who the character is, and, and that there's a connection. Yeah, it's a creepy connection, but there's still a connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's um there's another storytelling method which I personally I sometimes like and sometimes I don't. It depends on how it's presented, but there is the the large cut scene based games where a majority of your gameplay does not affect the story but rather you're going from point a to point b and once you get to point b there is a cinematic cut scene in which the characters interact and you are essentially watching the story unfold rather than necessarily being a part of the story other than i move my character through the world we level up and so and so which is indicative of games like final fantasy in the past where you get from point a to point b and then a cutscene would trigger and you'd see more about these characters yeah i i like i can appreciate those wow at least does it a little bit where i mean they started doing that but when you're there you see your character so it feels like you are there i do like the in-game cutscenes where you are in the the you're, you're in the, the perspective it's you're not because whenever a cutscene goes in, you kind of step back from the controller and you don't feel in control anymore. I like when you're getting d- dialogue and you can still move around. Skyrim it comes to mind on that where you're still watching. You're seeing what they say and you, you may be like sideways and stuff like that. And they're, and, and like they're, they're, they're talking to you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The, um, there's a the whole I'm mixed, on, I'm mixed on that because I do like that perspective. Sometimes you have like uh, in the Skyrim example there, you do have the limited vision because your head is down on its side and then you see the dragon come into view and you could like look around just a little bit as if you're only moving your eyes yeah. rather than your whole head. I do think that's interesting, but also I am a fan of that old school style of like, I like to be able to sometimes like I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. And then a cutscene triggers and I could put down the controller for a little bit and just watch it unfold. My biggest problem are the games that go a little bit too far in that end. There was a game on the PlayStation two. I believe it was called Xeno saga. Um, it was one of the Xeno. So if it's not Xeno saga, please forgive me. But that game was notoriously known for extremely long cutscenes. And when I say extremely long, I mean like you would sit there for 45 minutes to an hour watching a cutscene in that game without a break. That is a, <laughs> a excessive. I mean, I, I get it. But at that point, you're almost like a, a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the movies like like Heavy Rain and and uh, um another game. Beyond Two Souls, those those ones people did call them like walking simulators, but at least there you're controlling it. I, I think, I think if if you if you're longer than maybe five ten minutes on a cutscene, you need to to figure out how are you telling the story or or cut mm-hmm. it up. There's a better way to tell it than there. Because if I'm sitting down for a movie, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. Or if I'm sitting down for a game, I want to be in the game and not be cut out from it. Mm-hmm. I tried playing Kingdom Hearts, and I, and I still need to beat it. I just I've gotten distracted. But when I load up Kingdom Hearts 3, I was, I was streaming it in like the first 45 minutes. I'm like, Da-da-da-da-da. yeah, there's a lot of cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And 
I get it because you got to get exposition, but it does keep you out of the world. It it it, it removes my ability to be part of the character. I, I'm going to go back to one of my the one of the games that I play a lot. Wow, but when they've added these cutscenes, you're there for a little bit, so you 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 sit you step back, and your character and stuff is moving around with them, and then you come back to it again. So it it's you're you're not out of the world long, and you're not out of control long, but it helps you see. It helps you see aerial shots and things that you would not be able to see otherwise. So before we move on, what would be your, um, if you had to choose right now, three, three of your favorite game stories, they doesn't have to necessarily be over one game. It can be like, like if you say like mass effect, it could be like that whole storyline, like Shepard's story. Um, what are like your three favorite storylines in games? I actually love halo one story because you're you're learning it through cortana talking to you you're learning it through what characters are tell, telling you or those things and that's a game where you have no clue what's going on mm-hmm. then i'd say i i like the heavy rain beyond two beyond two souls of those i loved beyond two souls because i felt for that character and being able to make a choice for like i i'm responding to it and then i would say my third favorite because I, I'm a huge sucker for the Chujon. It would be The Walking Dead. I've never finished. I have not finished like the latest seasons of Walking Dead, but I I loved that my save file kept going with me. And 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 again, that moment when when Clementine has to has to become an adult, and you're just like, you feel like you've gotten mm-hmm. to know Clementine, and you're making these, these. I will never forget that that feeling. I mean, I literally sat at the credit scene for that episode. What did I just ha- see? What just happened? And I mean, and, and it, you're gone. It's 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 like watching Tusk, and you know, you know. And I bring up Tusk because Tusk is an interesting story, and it's one that you feel weird things afterwards. But just knowing it's never going to be diff- the same after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and How if I you? had to choose, if I had to choose three. On any given day, it might change because I have like probably like so many games that I've played story-wise that I absolutely love. Um, but as I mentioned, A Link to the Past on a Super Nintendo. Um, Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, like, Roxas' story especially, like, really affected me. Like, this idea of everybody telling you, like, everybody around you seems to know their place and your role within the world, but you feel alone and you don't know what you're supposed to do or anything like that. And you're just trying to make sense of things. I played it when I was like, uh, I think 2002, I was probably around 13 ish. So playing it at that time, when you're 12, 13 years old and trying to find yourself in a world that seems like it has everything together. That story really affected me. And to this day, I will jam to Roxas' theme and he's my favorite character within the kingdom hearts world. Um, so Kingdom Hearts 2, A Link to the Past. And the third one is it's really difficult because I have a few different ones that I'm trying to think of. Um, I think third story-wise, I probably have to go with the Bioshock series. Oh, yes! Um, and the Bioshock series is more so in the world that it created and some of the characters that exist within there. And... Bioshock is one of those games like the original Bioshock and even Bioshock Infinite. Like I loved Infinite. Those are some of those games where I wish if you had your magic wand and you were able to replay a game and experience it for the first time all over again. Like those would be some of the games that I played, whether it was the first Bioshock and first discovering Rapture and the city underneath the sea. And then Bioshock Infinite, which is, there is a Bioshock 2 in there, but it is very reminiscent of the first one. It's still a great game. It's just a little bit more of the same. And then Bioshock Infinite, this utopia in the sky. And while Rapture was already in degradation, or sorry, degradation, and it was already a derelict, now you have this utopia in the sky when you witness its downfall as it's yeah. going through and just the world, it absolutely enthralled me when I was playing it. And to this day, I still tell people, like, there's a video game story for everybody. You just 
need to get out there and try different ones. Like video games are an interactive medium that can be on par with movies and it can be on par with books in terms of storytelling and emotion. Absolutely. And I I'm glad that there are games that have a lot more story because part of the reason why I don't like reading books, believe it or not, is because I can't control the story. And I, and I do like, even if, even if it's a linear story, I at least feel like I'm seeing it and and Mm -hmm. going, there are a few times in Bioshock, and, and you probably would admit, you, you see, like, you, you're enjoying the story. All of a sudden, oh, great. A bunch of crates and a shield. There's a big gunfight here. Mm-hmm. I just I'm enjoying the story. Yeah. But yeah. I, I love the story, and I, and I love walking into new places. Like, I like that museum. Mm-hmm. There's just so many so many good st- set pieces in, in Bioshock games. And, yeah. And, and even, like, the original Bioshock, if I could go back in time and see Bioshock before it, I enjoyed the the original Half Life, and I need to play more of like the uh, Gary story because you, mm-hmm. you can see it beforehand. But yeah, you're understanding what's going on, and and that that, that tram ride scene in Half Life One where you're you're learning what what it is, and you, and you see this this full laboratory, and you uh, you don't when you first play, you don't know what's going on, but even on subsequent playthroughs, you're like. What are they doing down there? What's going on down there? And you, you, you sometimes have it, you know, you never get to see ever, but in your mind, it's there. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of like, there's still so many more games. Like if we were to go down list, like some people would put like the Witcher up there. Oh um, yes. I need to play that. Yeah. That series created an amazing world in itself. And then you have games like the last of us, which is yes. emotional and uh, it's, it's amazing. I loved it. I played it day one that it came out. So I really enjoyed that. And then Final Fantasy VI, um, Final Fantasy VII, a lot of people, Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy is my jam. I like Final Fantasy games. Um, it doesn't matter what generation. Some of them I like more than others. But but let's move on. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that Frazzly here does a bunch of different things. And before I start getting into questioning, I will say that Frazzly and I both do something together called the Genome Project, yes. which we do every Wednesday as best we can, given our schedules, mainly my schedule, because it's very hard for me to do things during the weekdays. But we do the Genome Project, which we stream on Twitch, and it's simply us hanging out, chatting, while leveling up some gnomes in World of Warcraft. And I enjoy doing that, and we actually started getting to know each other because of podcasting yeah um frasley essentially went from not being on anyone's radar to kind of being in everyone's ears no matter where they went so <laughs> so frasley i'm i want to get a little bit of insight into uh your podcasting like first of all like how did you even get into it like what sparked your interest in podcasting actually it was years ago on the screensavers they were having a 30 second horror film contest and I took a, a logic webcam, put my cat in front of it and was like, my name is tab and I, I'm a killer cat. <laughs> so they brought it on there and I was like, Whoa, someone liked something that I made. And then about a year later, I took a stuffed animal, put it in front of a webcam created this variety show. So as I was going along, I, I, I got noticed by a mentor, Chris Rogan and Jeff Pulver, and they brought me out to a conference and I got to see at the conference, how video and online media was changing the world. Cause Jeff Pulver was somebody who realized voice over the internet, Skype and things was a big thing. And, and he helped pioneer a lot of, a lot of that. And at that point he was like, you know, video is coming. And he, he also was one of the first ones to do a professional live broadcast on blog talk radio in 2007, when they were, launching it. I mean, this was back when we were justin.tv on Twitch. But after that conference, I realized media is good. You just have to have a story and a reason for doing it. So I started making scripted videos. And then over time, after those videos, I got out of it. Then I get into World of Warcraft again, a game that I loved. And I join a guild called Convert to Raid. On Convert to Raid, there's this little channel called Podcast Help. And Pat Crane has a guide on how to get into podcasting. And I'm like, you know what? I like talking with people. I could talk forever. And I was like, huh, I'll get some friends together and we'll just start talking. And that's when I started Frazzlecast. And over time, I started loving the medium and just like realizing that it's not the top, the content that is amazing about podcasting. It's the discussions we have. 
like today you and I are talking about story and we're talking about this stuff. And that is, that's the real story that we come together about game and about things, but, but we're getting to know each other. We're having a conversation and mm-hmm. people are able to listen in on this. And I always love it when I get feedback on something that I said somewhere, hopefully good. But if I, I, I want, I want you to either feel happy or mad at me, just not neutral. Cause if, if I anger you in a way, that's an emotion. And I at least got something wrought up in you. Yeah. It, it's an amazing medium. And I love that our conversations are recorded there. Mm-hmm. That's something that I, I also enjoy is that idea of bringing an emotion to people. Yeah. And I think that especially in today's world where we tiptoe around so many different things as to not bring a negative emotion to somebody. I do think that sometimes you need those negative emotions to spark a conversation about something that you may not feel comfortable with or may not simply have enough knowledge about. Yeah. So I enjoy that podcasting allows you to do that, not just with the person that you're talking to, but also the other people on the other side of it that may be listening to it, that may enjoy it. One of my favorite podcasts I love listening to is Geek Herring because I, I, I'm a guy and I don't understand all of the the feminist female stuff that, that goes on. And I love getting other perspectives. I love when, when Amanda and Monica get into things and, and I'm like, oh, that actually, I get how what I'm doing is actually causing strife in women. I mean, it, it helps you see a new perspective and podcasting shares perspectives. I love hearing what people go through. I, I, I love hearing like, what is a, a perspective that I may not know about and how can I, how can I see if, where do I agree or why don't I agree with it? Um, yeah. I like that you brought that up. Like you brought up geek Herring, which is a, um, it's a feminist based podcast that talks about, uh, women in nerd culture as a whole, like nerd and geek culture and their, their struggles, their successes, their stereotypes. Um, and they, they take it from a lot of different perspectives and they do their research. They do a really good job over there. And I can honestly say like, sometimes like you, I've been like, Oh, I have helped perpetuate that even though I didn't intend to while other times I am also like, you know what? I don't quite agree with that, but I think like that's the great part of the medium is that I can disagree with things that are being said sometimes and not have the, not have a visceral negative emotion about it and have to attack the individuals about it because they're able to, they explain their perspective, like why they come to this conclusion based on things. And I'm like, okay, yeah. while I may disagree, I can completely see why you have this thought and how you got to where you are. And I I've listened to flat earth podcast and you may agree on flat earth. I think flat earth is a bunch of hooey, but at least I listened to the podcast to understand why do you believe that? Mm-hmm. I mean, and podcasting has n- very little gatekeeping. I mean, there are people that are trying to say you can only do this, but people are very real and visceral. And I love that about podcasting when, when they're vulnerable, when they're releasing who they are, you connect with them. The only scary thing is I've had a stalker because you've as a listener, you think, you know, the, the, the podcast host more than you really do. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I do. I've, I'm very filtered in terms of who I interact with in certain scenarios. Like I would never invite someone from a chat or from like an online medium that I have never talked to individually into a group with other people simply because I don't know that individual. I don't know how that group might interpret whatever things they might say. So podcasting is interesting because it's still it's such a large space and yet it still feels small in the sense of these communities that you can build like i said like we met through podcasting in one way or another yeah and there's so many other people that i've met through podcasting and it's pretty amazing that you're able to meet all these people through this small medium and i will say that it is also because it's such a large spectrum it runs a challenge of creating echo chambers Oh yeah, just like uh, just like the media. If you watch TV, if you are, let's just say, let's just use it left or right. If you're left or right, you tend to watch things that support your left theories or your right theories, and it's an echo chamber. So you're just hearing this affirmation of the things that you believe without really getting to see things from the other side of the aisle, and then it's a clash when things come. And I guess with podcasts, that can be part of the problem too, but 
you can also choose to listen to something from the other side. Yeah. And easily accessible. And it's usually free. I mean, there may be Patreons where you can get extra content. But mm-hmm. I, I I mean, I am I'm against things like Luminary where you can't get the podcast unless you pay that money. I'm like, give me extras if I pay money. But I, I, I want to be able to listen to it wherever wherever I go. And I mm-hmm. love that that podcasting is generally free. Yeah. Um I don't bash anybody that does like if you want podcasting to be your means, then who am I to say like, no, uh, if I really like your content, then I would probably support you. And I would prefer that you give me a chance to actually listen to your content before yeah. I pay, um, because I don't want to pay for anything that's like that. I don't necessarily like. So give me the option, I guess, like you said, something extra to go along with it. But more than likely, if I come across a podcast, that's like, yep, you have to pay to listen to this podcast. Without hearing it, I'm probably not going to do it. I'm just going to be like, oh, I guess that's one that I don't really get. So, and I get it because, as you know, podcasting can take a lot of your time. Oh, yeah. Um, it can take a lot of effort. If something goes wrong, sometimes on the audio side, this is my first time doing the podcast by myself and I've never edited or published a podcast. So, today I'm doing all of that. Um, and I'm extremely nervous about it because I've never done it, even though this podcast itself doesn't have a lot of those bells and whistles. But I'm just like, oh, my God, I have to cut audio from a previous podcast so that I can have the intro and the outro. I need to make sure the volume levels are good between myself and Frasley so that they're not all crazy. And I can only imagine what it's like for those podcasts that have soundboards and all these different noises that they put in or intros to certain things like it can get a little bit crazy oh yeah and hey here, here's at least a bell for you see there you go i i gave you i don't have a whistle sound effect right now but i appreciate that i guess that's the sound of us asking you like what podcasts are you on because i lose track because you're on like 70 different podcasts so if you could just give us like a quick rundown so that the people can get an idea of how many you do, and then if you could just give us an idea of how the heck do you manage to do all of them. Okay, so I've, probably my biggest and most well-known one is Frazzlecast. It's my weekly World of Warcraft podcast where I talk with different people around around Azeroth and kind of what makes them tick. And, and we, some weeks we discuss news, but some weeks we, we, we get to know the person. Like I have one coming out tomorrow about a person who works in cybersecurity. I'm also doing a weekly podcast called Be Great Today, which is an inspirational podcast. And I just try to go through what's going on in my life. What what do I find inspiring? Put that out there. Then I have started a podcast. Oh, no, not started. I have a podcast called The Frazz Report, which is me. Tr- like whenever I get an idea for a, a, what would a fictional news report be like? That still breaks the fourth wall. Like I'll talk about Blizzard and stuff like that. But it's a, it's, it's what would you hear on airwaves? I got inspired by like the fallout, like, this is Wolf Dog, and welcome to the the, the Capital Wastelands. And yeah, Fallout's Fall a great game too. Oh, I, I wouldn't know about Fallout seventy six. I've not played that one. But yeah, that's that's what I do. I'm also on the Converted podcast, which is run by by Sal Barf and I from the Convert to Raid Guild, and we 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 talk with different people in our raid about what's the raid team, who they are, and that that one we do every other week. And then every Sunday night. I am on a podcast called Stories on Azeroth with Pete of Project Phoenix Productions. And there we talk about stories. Sometimes we talk about news, but we talk about like as a jumping off point for what, how does it make us feel? What are things we want to do? So it's it, it, some of its theories. Some of it's how do we, what, what makes us feel certain ways about that. And then past that, it's whenever a person's like, Hey, Razzly, I've got a podcast. Do you want to come to us on? I'm like, absolutely. And I, I jump at it. To, to <laughs> podcast so i think that's the main ones i'm on i can't think of any other ones i'm missing our, our work has one where i read my dad's memos in every week right yeah every other week and um so do you use like um like a calendar program do you use uh trello um how do you manage all of that in in a week span of time i definitely use uh, a trello for every show that needs show notes I will do Trello with like lists and stuff like that. Like I, I, I take that off and I've got a program called do D U E it's on Mac and iPhone and do will tell me, Hey, you've got to get this done. You got to get this done. It's so like Sundays. You've mm-hmm. got to get 
this stuff done for this podcast. And it will keep reminding me to, to check it off. And that has helped me a lot. I use a calendar to, to know calendar more, more to let my family know when I'm doing stuff, mm-hmm. but it does help me know I got this coming up and like I get alerts. So between those three, I tend to manage and it, 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 it is a, it, it can be difficult sometimes, but I find actually that it's also giving me, I know what the, what's coming up in the week and I know where it is. It just, it is weird where you wake up on a, like a, a Monday, you're like, Oh, I got to do all this stuff to get ready for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that mainly with work stuff, uh, even still, sometimes I have to mentally prepare for, uh, for genome project when we do it, because I'm like, it's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. I'm already tired. Yeah. Uh, so what I do want to do is I do want to give you a chance to, what are some of the podcasts that like you are listening to right now? Like, just give us like three. I know there's like a million different podcasts out there and we both have plenty yeah. that we like to listen to. So what are a few of your, uh, your current ones that you're, that are in the rotation? I love uh, Path to Partner and StreamKey. They are people that are that are working on streaming because streaming I've actually gotten into a lot through podcasting, and mm-hmm. it's a way I've connected with people. And I find they do a, a good job at trying to not put uh, too much stuff, but you, you get questions and you get perspectives. You get people who like say do this type of variety of streaming, that variety variety of streaming, and you you have people asking questions. So it's it's a call on show. And Path to Partner is as 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 every person who's on Twitch. You want to get to affiliate, then you want to get to partner. So it's a yeah. podcast I can at least get things from. And the third one that I, I found from a, a podcast about podcasting is called The Newsworthy. So every day at 4 a.m. in the morning, I think it's 4 a.m. Eastern. I uh, I forget I forget her name, but she puts out a podcast that tries to take the, the, the news and be more unbiased. So that way you're, you're getting it. And. I, she says it from a positive perspective, not like a, oh, this happened. Yay, joy. But at least trying to, to give you all sides. And yeah, I listen to it because then they're like, oh, what's going on today? Okay. And and then they, she links to all the news so you can then go on and read further. But I like that she tries to reduce the editorial nature of it so I can, so I don't feel like, oh, yeah, I like uh, that person. I hate that person. <laughs> See, Wait, the muscle. I'm giving you bleeps and stuff like that. One thing that I like is that you brought up uh, podcasts that are different than this one, uh, different than some of the ones that you do. Just uh, I always appreciate when people show the different aspects of what something can bring. Just yeah. like we talked about storytelling in games, like it's not always just fantasy. It can be like so many different uh, stories told just like podcasting can be so many different stories told. Oh yeah. And if, if you love true crime, I mean, I, I didn't even get to into, I'm listening to one right now about the, mm-hmm. the dating game murderer. I mean, the, you don't even know all the things that are out there. Mm-hmm. I I'd say, pull up whatever podcast app you have, just start typing things in. They won't all be good. And some of them are, 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 are garbage, but mm-hmm. it is interesting what you can find and just, and just listen to, to what your friends say that they're listening to. And you may find something really good. Yeah. Now we're going to get ready to head out here because we could probably talk to Frasley all day <laughs> about podcasting and everything that goes into it and what soundboards to get and what microphones and all of the nitty gritty. But we both have stuff to do today. Yeah. So, um, Frasley, this is your chance to let everybody know where can they find you around the Internet? Where should they search for you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Frazzlytastic. You, you can find like puns and and, and I'll, I'll retweet things that I do there. You can find uh, my big show, the one that's like my longest running and longest in uh, duration show, Frazzlecast at gnomepodcast.com. And if you want to see me have an- antics and shenanigans every day, add gnome.live to your to your rotation and come come on by and you, you'll see me either farming playing uh world of warcraft or or even recording Fallocast live so you, you, there's a lot of stuff that happens there and i try to do it every day timing permitted awesome well thank you so much for joining us frasley um if you 
out there have any thoughts on storytelling in games, maybe some of your favorite moments and you just feel like sharing it, feel free to let us know. Or if you have anything related to podcasts, maybe you have a podcast that you've started and you need some help or you just want to get the word out there that you're, you'd love podcasting and you like to meet other podcasters, I would encourage you to email the show at two nerds maybe more at gmail.com you can also check out our website which is two nerds maybe more.com or if you'd like to drop us a line over at twitter it is two nerds maybe more but the two is just a number two instead of spelled out on that last one uh, i think if you put it in either way it still comes up but like i said before twitter had a character limit and would not let me spell it out so oh, I apologize Twitter. for that confusion. Um, but once again, thank you, Frasley, for joining us. And thank you all for joining us. And until next time, bye. Bye. And do you remember when Twitter had a 140 character limit? No. Those are the dark days. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.